Welcome to From an Ex-Supernatural Fan. My name is Rebecca, and previously on From an Ex-Supernatural Fan, we watched the 11th and 12th episodes of Season 1 of Supernatural. Today, however, we are starting off with Season 1, Episode 13, titled Route 66. Okay, so I live in Corpus Christi, Texas, um, like sometime last year. And I would drive the same way home every single night from work. So I'm driving home this night and I'm listening to the radio because I don't have Bluetooth at the time. And um, Paradise City is on by Guns N' Roses, right? Except my radio is like, keeps getting staticky. Like it's like glitching. And all I can hear are the parts that say, take me home. And this is, this is like never happened before on that way. So I tell whatever I picked up on my drive to respectfully leave me the fuck alone because I would not be taking them home. Then my radio started working normal again. It was weird, um, but probably just like a bad connection or something. I mean, the weather wasn't particularly bad, but maybe it was the cold. Um, Or they could have been like servicing the radio, whatever. Um, Nonetheless, it was slightly terrifying also I don't remember this episode one bit so like I said this is episode 13 of season 1 titled route 66 let's get into it um I usually don't talk about like the Netflix episode descriptions um but this one it is um says that Dean is contacted by his first love Cassie Coincidence? I think not. This is also a gentle, gentle reminder that I was this is not a big Destiel person. So, but I know that everybody else is like super into Destiel, even though I never was. I was a little bit, but not to the extent of other people. And I've had, and I did see a TikTok like after I wrote this episode, um, because this episode was written. On November 8th, I did see um, a famous Destiel TikToker. Um, I can't remember their name for the life of me. Um, the one that also does talks about like the Omega verse and stuff like that. They talked about it, about how Cassie and Cass and the way that they spell Cass and the way that they spell Cassie. Um... I mean, obviously, they didn't know at the time of season one, but it is, it is funny. Um. So anyways, we open the episode up on a road in Cape Girardeau, Missouri. Oh my gosh, I should have really tried to say this. Um. The radio starts to malfunction. So oh, a man is driving while listening to the radio and the radio starts to malfunction. So he turns it off. A big truck behind him. Oh my god. I swear I was literally not tired until I sat down to fucking record. So there's this big truck behind him and it's getting closer and it rams into the back of of the car a couple of times before the radio turns itself back on. The man keeps driving and then the big truck appears in front of him. He stops and manages to turn around before the big truck starts going after him again. It hits him a couple more times until he crashes his car and flips it. 
The truck then revs its engine a bit. before backing up and disappearing. We get the season one title card before fading into Sam and Dean Winchester. Sam is looking for a way to Pennsylvania while Dean is listening to something on his phone. Dean then says that they're not going to Pennsylvania because the person who called never would have called if she didn't need help. Once again, what Dean says goes, if I were Sam, I'd be way more emo. Anyways, on the car ride to wherever Cassie lives, Sam is surprised to hear that Dean has dated anyone before and Semi calls out his one night stand behavior. And look, we don't slut shame here, but we do not support people who fetishize, fetishize specific races, ethnicities, or sexual orientations etc. Um, Dean then explains that they dated while they worked a job in Athens, Ohio. Why do I feel like John's hunt seemed to take like way longer, like months at a time? The boys' hunts take the most, at the most, a week. Further proof, John Winchester sucks all around. Sam then asks how Cassie knows what they do. And before Dean can answer, Sammy puts his Stanford education to the test and realizes that Dean told her. Sam is then upset because he lied to Jessica for a year. And by the way, he says Jessica. He doesn't say Jess. It's annoying. Anyways, and <laughs> Dean told someone um, he dated for three months. Three months! Dean and John were working a case for three months, or a job, not a case, a job for three months. Okay. Um, and Dean told, told someone he'd only dated for three months. Sam being a bitch. Sam's being a bitch. The jealousy here is um, clearly Sam trying to figure out how he wasn't daddy's favorite after the in their incident. We then cut to Cassie in a newspaper place, and I love this actress. She plays Angie in that 70s show and Penny in the following. Her name is Megalyn. She was also in Damon and um, has voiced Vixen a few times, as well as play her in the Arrow show, which I will never be covering. Um, because I always stop at season five. This is something that I shouldn't talk about. Well, on an episode of this Supernatural, on an episode of Su One more time, Rebecca. Something that I shouldn't talk about while recording an episode for Supernatural, but I will because it's CW, and CW fucking shows always, specifically DC, CW, like, their collaboration shows. Not collaboration, you know, they're both owned by Warner Brothers. Always fucking suck after season five like they do fine neither they're not like absolutely amazing but they do five fine all the way up until season five i have regret non-regretfully never seen an episode of the arrow past season five same with the flash um i was watching supergirl and i know that wasn't on dc i don't know if it is now because i know they did like all the crossovers 
But they fucking suck. I guess that that would make me an ex-fan, though. I don't know if I could sit through them. Although one of my favorite actors is in, like, an episode of The Arrow. And I was super... This is something I should really talk about on the 100 um, podcast, but... If you're here and you enjoy the 100 and Supernatural, I'm really going off on a little tangent here. Um, But in The Arrow... Um, Oliver Queen's sister, Thea, Thea Queen, even though I think that she's technically, um, Captain Jack Harkness's daughter. I can't remember his name for the life of me at the moment. Um, Thea Queen, her actress, who is escaping my mind, was my face claim for my 100, the 100, um, roleplay account. So, I mean, we'll obviously get in that, into that eventually on that podcast or on those episodes. There's a hair on my laptop. It's a cat hair. I don't even have a cat. No, but I did go to out of town. Okay. I'm like, seriously, the point is um, that I like this actress. That's what I always want. Anyways. Sorry. I just love women. Anyways, in the newsroom. Her and another guy are arguing with a guy about running a story associated with her dead dad, who just died. I'm assuming he was the guy in the truck. She wants to run it. Then, I guess, like, boss doesn't want to. The guy on Cassie's side says that two black men were killed. I hate that I'm yawning right now. We're killed in the same way. On the same road in three weeks. And I forgot. That the truck had some like. Racist motivations. Um, Episodes like this really nail in the fact. That Supernatural was built off people of color. Only for them to portray these characters. With horrible film tropes. And horrible racist stereotypes. Looking at the black psychic. I cannot remember her name. Which um, would be the magical. I remember what it's called. The Magical Black. Anyways. The boys enter the scene and um, we find out that the guy on Cassie's side's name is Jimmy. Where the unnamed guy, who doesn't matter to me. Oh my god, that was a long yawn. Cassie turns around and sees Dean. He says hi and introduces Sam. Cassie says that her dad swore he was being followed by an awful-looking black truck. Sam asks who was driving the truck, and Cassie says she doesn't know. He never talked about a drive. A driver. Just that it would disappear, uh, would appear and disappear, and in the accident, it looked like something big had slammed into it. We find out the first victim's name was Clayton, and he owned a car dealership with Cassie's dad. Clayton died the same way. The cops said that they both lost control of their car. Dean asks if there could be a reason that her dad and Clayton would be targets. Cassie says that she was skeptical of ghost stuff. And Dean says. And Dean said, sorry, that was a big yawn. I didn't want to make everybody yawn, but now I said yawn a bunch. Anyway, so Dean says, skeptical. I seem to recall you calling me nuts. That's not how Dean sounds. 
so sad. Eventually, I will get a good Dean voice. I mean, there's like, what, 15 fucking seasons? 18? No, 15. Cassie's mom then comes inside and is surprised to see company. Mrs. Robinson Robinson seems very startled. We cut to um, another car wreck. This time, I believe Jimmy is the one in the car. We also get a shot of the truck revving its engine before disappearing again. The next morning, Cassie is at the scene of the crime. She's talking to the same guy as earlier who was saying that Jimmy was. Saying that Jimmy was the best. And Cassie is upset because that's three of this town's best. Clayton, her father, and now Jimmy. Cassie suggests closing down the road that people keep dying on. And I think this guy's the mayor as he says, closing down the road, closing down the road, the only in and out of town. What the fuck? Bro, I should really. I should really revise these before I read them. The mayor says that he can't close down the only road in and out of town. Dean then comes up behind, as does Sam, and they look like bodyguards. Dean also asks if they um, could check for denting. Cassie calls the mayor indifferent, which I think is a polite way of calling him racist. And she should just come out and say it. And she does, sort of. She then says, Would you close the road if the victims were white? He replies, You're suggesting that I'm racist? I'm the last person you should talk to like that. What the fuck does that mean? (laughs) That also sounds racist (laughs) for the record. Why did my mind blink like that? Anyways, um, he tells Cassie to ask her mother, and I am confused. Supernatural, explain. We cut again to just the boys putting suits, I assume, for Jimmy's funeral. Sam then calls Cassie fearless. Sam also says that Cassie and Dean seem to not look at each other at the same time. We then get a scene of the boys driving, and we cut again to not a funeral, but like a fish market or something close to that. They put on full-on suits to pretend to be insurance agents instead of dress pants and like a button-up. The Winchesters share one brain cell, and we all know John Winchester never has it. So I guess Adam does. And that's what I think. I think Adam is the one that always has the fucking brain cell. Even though I shouldn't be mentioning him. Can we just take a moment to appreciate... I forgot his name. Have you seen his video? on YouTube. I don't know how old it is, but I saw it on TikTok the other day and it was just so fucking funny of him and of Adam and Michael doing um hot ones, but it's like called hell ones. <laughs> it's so fucking funny. Dude, his acting is so good in it too cuz it's like obviously played by the same person. But it it's so good. I love him. Anyways, I'm getting way off the track. So, they ask um, some of Jimmy's friends if Jimmy had ever mentioned a truck at all. Another guy butts in and describes the truck a bit, wondering if it's the same one. He says that he had heard of a truck like that, um, like a big monstrous one. Sam then asks where, and he says not where, when, and begins to explain that in the 60s there were a string of deaths of black men. 
They disappeared into a big, black, nasty truck. Dean then asks if they caught the guy that did it, and he replies saying that they didn't, and he's not even sure if they looked. Interestingly, none of the writers on this episode are black, and even more interestingly, one of them is married to Robert Singer, the producer. Anyways, the boys leave and Dean um, references the Flying Dutchman. Dean suggests that it's all connected to Cassie somehow, and Sam says that he should talk to her about it and about the other thing. Dean is confused as to what Sam is referencing. So Sam says, the serious unfinished business. That wasn't a very good um, Sam impression. That was just very like, the serious unfinished business. No, see, that wasn't good either. Dean then admits that Cassie and he were a little bit more involved than he said. Sam is just staring at Dean and like, I'm not saying I support incest at all. And I mean at all. But J2, the love in Jared's eyes is real here. Sam then says, you loved her. Sam then realizes that Dean was dumped by Cassie. And honestly, yes, Cassie's a badass who I'm going to get hate. Hate for this deserves more than Dean daddy issues Winchester. Now, if he went to therapy, then yes. Um, so we now cut to Cassie in an office, um, her office, no, an office at her house. There is a knock on the door and she answers to find Dean. She lets him in. Cassie then says that she was working on a tribute for Jimmy. Cassie says that for years, the paper would only hire white people. And Jimmy was the first black reporter. Cassie then asks where Sam is. And it almost comes off like inorganically. Dean then like literally just says not here why do i keep reading the lines like that not here not here <laughs> cassie and dean start to have like a little spat because dean shuts down when he's getting vulnerable and cassie thinks it'd be easier if sam was with him dean tells her basically that he's upset that she broke his heart and she says the guy i'm with the guy i'm hoping might be in my future tells me he professionally pops ghosts and he has to leave to work, to go work with his father. All I could think of was, if you want out, fine, but don't tell me this insane story. Dean interrupts her with a bit of, that's not what I said. And I did. And finally, it was the truth. I mean, look, Cassie's in the right here. That is insane. And if it happened to me with no knowledge of the show Supernatural... I would think he would be trying to leave the relationship too, so I don't see what the big deal is. Cassie then says that she didn't mean to hurt him, and Dean says that she did. Then they kiss, and now they're fucking. Fun fact, they were asked not to put Cassie on top. And they did. Anyways, Dean is the bottom confirmed. Oh, no, they switched positions. Why am I uncomfortable? Now they're sitting up, and I'm still uncomfortable. I don't know why the scene made me... So uncomfortable between them. Like at all. Um, it, it, I don't know. It just made me like really uncomfortable. Um, then we fade into the next morning and the mayor is looking at blueprints before putting the blueprints in his trunk. When he turns around, the truck is behind him. It revs at him before chasing him while he's on foot. And not really running him over, but making him fall to the ground and ro rolling down a small hill and fucking up his face and killing him before disappearing. It cuts back to Dean and Cassie in bed. 
They're talking about their past relationship when Cassie says that when Dean told him the story, she thought he was nuts and dangerous, which is a very normal thing to think. They kiss again, and it makes me uncomfortable again, before Dean's phone rings. We then cut to the scene of the mayor's death. Sam comments on Dean's absence at the hotel. Sam then says that the mayor was crushed as if something ran him over. I didn't see the truck run him over, though. The mayor is the first white victim. They connect dots between the old family that ran at everything, the missing member of that family, the bulldozing of their house recently bought and destroyed by the mayor, and the deaths. I feel like I'm going to quickly through this episode and leaving a bunch out. So the mayor bought the old Dorian house and the Dorians ran the town and the newspaper in 63 when the murders were happening. Cyrus Dorian goes missing. The police don't find him. And the day after the house is torn down, the murders start up again. And we're now halfway through. Um, so we cut to the outside of Cassie's house and then to the inside to see Cassie drinking something as we faintly hear a truck revving and um, her lights beginning to flicker. And we all know what that means, the flickering of lights. We then get a shot of the truck outside of her house. Cassie closes her windows and the truck tries to find her so it can drive through the house to kill her. What I don't understand is Cassie lives in a two-story house. Sure, maybe the floor will fall through, but you could totally go hide up on the second floor. It's not like the fucking ghost truck is going to go up the stairs or float in air. I'm pretty sure. I'm no ghost hunter, though, so... And I'm no truck ghost hunter. So then, um, classy, cl- classy. <laughs> Cassie closes her windows and the truck tries to find her so it can drive through the house and kill her. Cassie calls Dean crying and saying his name. And then we cut again to the boy sitting in Cassie's living room with her and her mom. Dean asks if she saw who was driving the truck. Cassie says that it seems to be no one. Cassie's mom knows what is up. Dean tells Cassie's mom if she knows something, she should say something before Cassie is killed. Assertive. Cassie's mom then says that Cyrus owned the truck. Dean shows her the newspaper article and asks if that's Cyrus. Cassie's mom then says Cyrus Dorian died more than 40 years ago. Dean asks how she knows he died and she says, We were all very young. I dated Cyrus a while. I was also seeing Martin. In secret, of course because interracial couples didn't go over too well then. When I broke it off with Cyrus, he found out about Martin. I don't know, he changed his hatred. His hatred was frightening. Sam says, the string of murders. Cassie's mom then continues. There were rumors, people of color disappearing into some kind of truck. Nothing was ever done. Martin and I were going to be married in that little church near here. But the la- but last minute we decided to elope because we didn't want all the attention. And Cyrus, Dean asks, she answers. The day we set for the wedding was the day someone set fire to the church. There was a children's choir practicing in there. They all died. Sam then asks if the attack stopped, stopped after that. She says, no, there was one more. One night that truck came for Martin. Cyrus was beating him something terrible. But Martin, you see, Martin got worse, and he started hitting Cyrus, and he just kept hitting him and hitting him. Her mom is crying. Also, Martin is not in the wrong. 
We get a little flashback scene of all this playing out as well. Dean then asks why they didn't call the police. She looks at him like he's, he's stupid and she's right too. She says, this was 40 years ago. He called on his friends, Clayton Solms and Jimmy. They put Cyrus's body into the truck and then rolled it into the swamp at the edge of his land. And all three of them kept that secret all these years. And I'm done copying word for word in the story. So the mayor, he was a deputy working with Cy- um, working when Cyrus disappeared and found out what Martin, Cassie's dad, and his friends had done. And he did nothing but he, but only because he knew what Cyrus had done too. We then cut back to the outside of the house where the boys are taking, talking about Cyrus. This episode feels a bit like they're profiling the ghost. Sam then says that now they have to dredge the body from the swamp. Cassie joins the boys outside and says that her mom is asleep and basically she just wants to help. Dean tells her to stay out and keep an eye on her mom. Dean kisses her for a minute and Sam clears his throat as he is slightly uncomfortable, just like me. Um, They pull out his truck with the tractor and Dean, who was driving, tells Sam, Now I see what she sees in you what which is also what 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 which is also what dean says to that statement sam then says come on admit it you know you're still in love with her dean just wants to focus they grab their gasoline and salt to salt and burn cyrus and they do just that sam pours the gas and dean the salt didn't get a zippo throw though The truck appears after Sam asks if that will do it. Dean says that he's going to leave the truck away so Sam can burn the truck. Sam doesn't know how to commit arson on a truck. Also, they're destroying evidence. Like, I don't give a fuck about the evidence of Cyrus's murder. But the innocent black men he murdered? What about their family's peace? Fuck the Dorians. What what about everybody else's peace? Sam crouches down to hide as Dean drives off in the Impala and the truck speeds behind him. I have an idea of how to set it on fire. Put a bit of gas in the tank, a rag sticking out of the tank, and then set the rag on fire. Maybe douse the truck in gas too, a bit before, bam, arson committed. Sam then goes through John's journal as Dean tries to get away from the truck. Dean calls Sam, and Sam tells him he'd he'd get back to him before calling Cassie for some info before calling Dean back with a plan. The truck hits the Impala. Sam tells him to turn right, and Dean does, then to turn left. Dean barely makes it. Sam then tells him tells Dean to stop at seven-tenths of a mile. So he does it, too, and asks what he's doing. Sam says that he's bringing it to him. The truck starts driving towards Dean. It goes to crash into Dean before it turns into smoke. Dean asks Sam where it went, and Sam explains... That Dean is where the church was, the one that Cyrus burned down. Sam says that the church ground is hollowed ground, whether it's there or not. And I don't know what that means. I mean, like, I know what it means, but I don't know what it means. Sam then explains that when evil spirits cross over hollowed ground or evil, uh, evil or not, sometimes they're destroyed.
Cutting to the morning and end of the episode, Dean says goodbye to Cassie and that he hopes that this time will be a little less permanent. But we all know that it will be more permanent. Cassie then tells him that she doesn't see much hope for them. They kiss and Sam watches from the car. Dean gets into the car and Sam is driving off. We then get a shot of the boys on the road. Sam tells Dean that he likes her and Dean says, yeah, Sam, as if he's ever thought about putting everything on hold and, oh, he says, yeah, and then Sam asks if he's ever thought about putting everything on hold for a girl like Cassie. Dean just smiles and puts on his sunglasses and tells Sam to wake up when it's his, wake him up whenever it's his turn to drive. Then the episode ends as the Impala drives off. I like this episode, um, but I guess I see the boys specifically Dean as a family member because that sex scene seriously made me uncomfortable and I don't know why. Anyways, I feel like I skipped over a lot over this episode, but at the same time, there wasn't any arguments between the boys. I do have to say, though, this episode decently, in my white opinion, portrayed a, per, portray, portrayed a sundown town, but I am white and cannot speak on ac- accuracy or go that deep into the racism. But personally, I do feel like they did try to push that the town was no longer racist, and well, we all know that's not how that works especially with people from the 60s. I do have to say this episode would be banned at all schools and be called CRT if it were a book. Um, I do also, like I did mention that none of the writers that wrote this episode were black either. And for an episode that came out in 2005, I know that they all thought they were pushing boundaries. Anyways, so I mentioned um, the parallel between the names uh, and the names and Dean and his love and his first love, Cassie, being. What the fuck? So I mentioned the parallel between names and Dean and love, Cassie being Dean's first love. And well, Cass, I just think that is a little too funny. They could have named their angel anything and chose Castiel and Cass for short. No, they wanted Cassie and Cass to be associated. So next up um, is Season 1, Episode 14, titled Nightmare. I honestly don't remember this episode, so um, let's just start it. So this is whenever we really get into Stephen King territory, which I think is what they were really going for with this. So like I said, this is um, Nightmare. So we open up on a man driving a car into a garage. The license plate is is from Michigan. The man's garage begins to close on him by itself. His car doors lock themselves as well. Then the car turns on itself (laughs) as the radio begins to mess up. And carbon monoxide begins to fill the car. He tries to get the keys out but fails and dies. It does like a weird like blue cutting in and out and into Sam's face as he wakes up because the death was a dream. Sam then wakes Dean up immediately and immediately starts packing. We then fade into them driving the Impala. Sam is on the phone with the Michigan police, running the plates from the car in his dreams. Dean tries to tell Sam that it was just a nightmare. The plates are real and Dean is too stunned to speak. Dean says that they are still a couple hours away and Sam tells him to drive faster. Dean listens. Um, so we cut to the quote-unquote crime scene. Um, it is no, no quotes necessary as the boys pull up to it. 
Dean is once again too stunned to speak, <laughs> and we get the title card. Um, Sam and Dean watch the police do their shit and question the people also watching. Sam wants to know how they're saying it happened, and the nosy, gossipy neighbor tells them that they found him locked in the car in the garage with the engine running. Sam then asks when it happened, and she tells him it just happened about an hour or two ago. Sam walks away upset, and Dean follows after him. Sam wants to know the same question I want to know. Why am I even having these premonitions? 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 These visions. If I can't stop them from happening. Dean says, IDK. <laughs> Sam, Sam then asks him um, what he thinks killed him. And Dean says, himself. Paraphrasing here, of course. Um, uh, for some of this. Sam says that he watched it happen and he knows something murdered him and locked him in the garage. Dean looks at Sam like he's crazy, and Sam tells him to stop looking at him like that. Dean tells... <coughs> that was a random cough. Dean tells him they'll pick it up in the morning, and they will check the house and talk to the family. Sam says that they aren't going to want to talk to them because they're going to be devastated. Dean then agrees, but I think I know... Oh, Dean agrees and says, but I think I know who they will talk to. Sam asks who, and we cut to the next morning as the boys ring the doorbell. Sam says that this has to be a new kind of blow for them, and, um, no, impersonating a priest is not that bad, TBH. To be honest, why did I read that? Like, TBH. Also, the flea baggonization of everyone the first time they saw this scene is amazing, especially considering the fact that Fleabag wasn't even out yet. Dean introduces himself as, Father Simmons, and Sam as Father Freely, which I think they're both supposed to be KISS members. So I semi-understand this reference. He says they are junior priests, which is less hot than regular priests, which, much, much like vampires, they must also be invited in. Dean literally asks if they can come in. The guy who answered the door lets them in, and Sam says that they're sorry for his loss. Dean says, it's difficult times like these when the Lord's guidance is most needed. And the guy says, you want to pitch your whole the Lord has a plan thing? Fine, don't pitch it to me. My brother is dead. Jim, the dead guy's wife, comes up and apologizes for her. Why does that say Jim? Then, I think that's supposed to say then, the dead guy's wife comes up and apologizes for her brother-in-law. He's upset about the death of his brother, but I agree with him. She offers them some coffee. The coffee burns Sam hand, Sam's hand as it's handed to him, and she tells him that the support of the church means so much to them right now. Dean says, of course, after, after all, we are all God's children. <laughs> Sam fixes his collar and gives Dean the side eye as he says this. Sam tells him to tone it down a little bit. Dean then asks if her husband had a history of depression. She says nothing like that and that they had their ups and downs, but they were happy. She doesn't understand how he, he, how he could do something like that. Sam says that he's sorry she had to find him like that. And she says that their son is the one who found him. She asks if mine's... If, uh, 
Why am I messing up so much? Sam asks if she minds if he talks to them. She thanks him and gets and he gets up and goes over there. Sam introduces himself as Sam and Dean hands the widow a tissue. Dean says that she has a lovely home and asks how long they've lived there. She says that they moved in five years ago. Dean suggests that the house is haunted, but in a subtle way, saying that it must give them headaches. Her, being confused, wants to know what he means. He answers, you know, weird leaks, electrical shortages, odd settling noises at night, that kind of thing. She says, no, nothing like that. It's been perfect. Dean is, again, too stunned to speak. He then wants to know if he can use her bathroom, and she tells him it's just up the stairs. We then cut to Sam talking to Max. Why do they always name the son's M names? We got Matt, Max. They always have daddy issues, too. Dean, Sam, and Adam should have M names. Max then says that he was just a normal dad. Sam then asks if he lives at home now. He says, yeah, I'm trying to save up for school, but that's hard. Next, Sam says, so when you found your dad. Max says, I woke up. I heard the engine running. I don't know why he did it. Sam says that he knows it's rough, losing a parent. Sam, you lost your parent before you were conscious. Granted, technically, he never had a dad. So we then cut to Dean upstairs as Dean pulls out a new homemade device that has lasers and a camera on it as well as the screen. What the fuck is this? He's scanning the hallway and the rooms as he passes. He then hears some footsteps and puts it up in his jacket before the foot before finding out that the footsteps were just Sam. He asks if there's anything and Dean shakes his head. Also, Jensen is so short compared to Jared. Oh my gosh. I mean, I already knew that, but even now. So then we cut to the nighttime outside their motel, which is named Escanaba Motel. I don't know why I felt the need to um, do that to myself. Dean is cleaning his guns as Sam is making a murder board. Dean asks if he has anything and Sam says, no, just a whole lot of nothing on the house or the land it was built on. Dean says that he searched the house up and down and there was no cold spots or sulfur scents. Man, I was doing so good with the yawning. Sam asks if the family said any everything was normal. Dean says, well, if there were a demon or poltergeist in there, don't you think someone would have noticed something? I used the infrared thermal scanner. There was nothing. Sam then asks if he think he if he thinks he did it himself and his dream was just a freakish coincidence. Dean says, I don't know. I'm pretty sure that there's nothing supernatural about the house. I also just remembered the outcome of this episode, and I'm gonna be pissed if I was wrong. Sam then suggests that it has something to do with the house. With the old house. Sam also has a headache. Sam gets a vision while awake, and it's of a guy, the same um the brother of the dead guy. Max's uncle. Walking around with his groceries and then opening a beer as a shadowy figure passes by. The guy is Roger, the brother-in-law. Roger's window opens on its own and he closes it and locks it before unloading, unloading his groceries. 
The window unlocks itself and opens up again. Roger tries to close the window, but can't, so he sticks his head out of it, and bam, guillotines himself. Sam comes back too and says that someone, something is going to kill Roger Miller. We cut to the Impala driving down a dark road and then to the inside of Sam. As he is on the phone with Roger Miller's, saying Roger Miller's name trying to get his address. Dean asks if he is okay and if he's going to puke, he can pull over. Sam says he's okay, but he's scared because the nightmares were bad enough. Now he's seeing things while he's awake. These visions or whatever, they're getting more intense and painful. Dean says that he will be all right and fine, and Sam questions what it is about the Millers that is making him see their deaths. Dean says he doesn't know, but they will figure it out. Sam then tells him that it's never been in the family like this. And he needs to tell him the truth because he knows that it's freaking him out. We then zoom out to Dean's face as he says, this doesn't freak me out. They pull up to Rogers and call over to him uh, and he declines their attempt. He locks them out of his building and the boys try to break in. They do this by climbing up dumpsters and fire escapes. And it's supposed to be all like badass, but all I can think about is how tiny Jensen is doing these stunts. They hear Rogers beheading by window and Dean pushes past Dean uh, Dean pushes past Sam and runs up and sees the crime scene. Sam isn't too far behind him and is a bit distraught. Dean tells him to start wiping down their fingerprints so the cops don't know that they were there. Dean says he's going to look inside, stupidly. So he opens up the window that's right in front of him and goes in. It's a good thing he's shorter of the two so he can fit through the window like this. Sam is wiping down the rails. We then cut to them leaving and Dean tells Sam that there was nothing there. Sam says that he saw a shadowy figure that was stalking Roger. Dean says that, Dean says, whatever it is, it's not connected to their house. Sam says that it's connected to the family itself, maybe a vengeful spirit. Dean says that they have, that the, that a few have been known to latch on to families. Dean then suggests a curse. Sam says if he thinks Max is in danger. Sam asks if he thinks Max is in danger. Dean says let's figure out figure it out before he is. Sam then says he knows one thing he has in common with these people. Both of our families are cursed. Dean says our family is not cursed. We've just had our dark spots. Sam responds with our dark spot spots are pretty dark. Dean says you're dark. Burn. And then they take off. Cutting to the morning, they are at the Miller house again, talking to Max, who says that his mom is resting because she's pretty wrecked. Sam then asks if his dad and uncle were close. Max says, well, they were brothers. They used to hang out all the time, Sam says, but not anymore. Max then explains that they used to be neighbors, so Rogers would be, Roger would be over all the time. Sam then asks how it how it was when he was a kid in the other house. Max says fine and asks why. Dean says all good memories. Remember anything unusual involving your uncle or father maybe? Max just says why do you ask? Dean answers just a question. 
Can I just say, Max clear remember, clearly remembers something, but not in the way that Dean and Sam are hoping. Max says that there was nothing. They were totally normal and happy. Dean says that he must be exhausted, so they should take off. Sam agrees and they leave. Outside, Dean says, no one's family is totally normal and happy. You see, when he was talking about his old house, Sam says that he seems scared. Dean suggests that they find the old address and find out what life was really like for them. We then cut to interviewing the old neighbors, specifically one neighbor. We are also halfway through the episode. Um, they ask how the neighborhood is, and the first guy they talk to asks if they are looking for to are looking to buy. Sam says no. They were wondering if they remembered a family that lived there. Dean says, "Yeah, the Millers. They had a little boy named Max." The man says, "Yes, the brother had a place next door." He then asks what it's about and if that poor kid is okay. Sam asks him what he means, and he says, Well, in my life, I've never seen a child be treated like that. I mean, I would hear Mr. Miller yelling and throwing things clear across the street. He was a mean drunk. He used to beat the tar out of Max. Bruises. Broken arms. Two times that I know of. Sam then asks if it was going on regularly. And Dean kind of looks like, this is normal. And this is a friendly reminder that I hate John Winchester. So the guy basically repeats practically every day and his thug brother and that thug brother of his was just as likely to take a swing at the boy. But the worst part is the stepmother. She just stand there, checked out, and never lifted a finger, finger to protect him. I must have called the police seven or eight times. Never did any good. Dean then asks him to elaborate on the stepmother part and he says, I think his real mom died in some sort of accident, car accident, car accident, I think. Sam starts to get another vision. Dean quickly gets Sam back to the Impala. The vision starts. I don't know what you mean by that. You know I never did anything, the stepmom says. Max replies, that's right, you, you didn't do anything. You didn't stop them once. The knife she was using to chop up vegetables starts to move on its own. She asks how he did that. He holds the poorly CGI'd knife up to her face and to her eye with telekinesis. Max continues on with, For every time you stood there and watched pretending I it wasn't happening, she just says I'm sorry. Max decides that she isn't actually sorry. Also, these are all victimless crimes in my eyes. He should do John Winchester next, if I'm going to be honest. He then stabs her through the eye with the knife, but with telekinesis. We cut to the boys on the road as Sam comes to and tells Dean that Max is the one killing. He saw it in his vision. Sam then says he must that they must be so alike that he's become in tuned with him. Dean, being in denial about their shitty childhood, tells him that he's nothing like Max. Sam is grasping for straws, saying, We both have psychic abilities, we're both and Dean gets upset and says both what sam max is a monster he's already killed two people and is gunning for a third sam thinks that it's not crazy of max to want revenge and sam is shockingly right dean says that he is no different than anything else they've hunted and they have to end him sam doesn't want to kill max but dean says that it'll be hard to lock him up and he's right they're uh, they're both right sam says to just promise He will let Sam take the lead on this one. 
Dean grabs his gun out of his glove box and says that he isn't letting him hurt anybody else. We cut to the inside of the house where we see the same scene that Sam saw in his vision, starting to begin. Sam and Dean bust through the door, and it's a bit funny. Dean says sorry to interrupt, and Sam asks if they could take Max outside to talk for a second. He agrees and begins to go outside when he catches a glimpse of Dean's gun. He shuts the door and all the blinds and yells, You're not priest. That wasn't a very good yell, Rebecca. Dean pulls out the gun, but Max uses his mind powers and pulls it out of his hand, and then picks it up with his own hands and pushes his stepmom down. He asks the boys who they are, and Sam tells, Sam tells them that they're just there to talk to him. And he, he responds with, yeah, right, that's why you brought this. Sam then tells him that it was a mistake, alright? So it's lying about who we are, but no more lying, okay? Just please hear me out. I saw you do it. I saw you kill your dad and your uncle before it happened. I'm having visions, Max, about you. Max calls him crazy, and then Sam says, so you weren't going to launch a knife at your stepmom right here? Is it that hard to believe, Max? Look at what you can do. Max, I was drawn here, all right. I think I'm here to help you. Max then says that no one can help him. Sam suggests that he tries to just them to... Sam suggests that he, that them two just talk and Dean and Alice can leave. But Dean won't agree to that, and Max doesn't want anyone to leave the house. So Sammy suggests that they just go upstairs. Max agrees to Sam's terms. Dean grabs Alice, the stepmom, and they go upstairs. Sam says that he can't begin to understand what he went through, and Max says that that's right, you can't. Sam, <coughs> Sam continues with, but Max, this has to stop. Max says it will, after his stepmom is dead. And Sam tells him that he needs to let her go. He asks why. And Sam asks him if, if, he, if she beat him. Max says no, but she never tried to save me. Sam then says, look what they did to you. What they all did to you while growing up. They deserve to be punished, but... Max cuts him off and says, try last week. He lifts up his shirt to reveal some bruising and a cut. Like I said, victimless crime. Max then explains how the last time it happened, Sam then asks him why he didn't just leave, and Max says that it isn't about getting away, just knowing that they'd still be out there. It's about not being afraid. When my dad used to look at me, there was hate in his eyes. Do you know what that feels like? Personally, no, because that means my dad would have had to be around to look at me. <laughs> And Sam says no, because he's thinking the same thing I am. Max also says he blamed me for everything. His job, his life, for my mom's death. Sam asks why he blamed him for his mom's death. And Max answers, because she died in my nursery while I was asleep in my crib, as if that makes it my fault. Sam says, she died in your nursery? Max replies, yeah, there was a fire. And he'd get drunk and he'd babble on like she died in some insane way. He said she burned up, pinned to the ceiling. Sam says, listen to me, Max. What your dad said happened to your mom is real. Max is confused and Sam further explains. 
It happened to my mom, too. Exactly the same. My nursery, my crib, my dad saw her on the ceiling. Max says that his dad must have been as drunk as his. And Sam says, no, it's the same thing, Max. The same thing killed our moms, our mothers. Max says that's impossible. Sam then says that this must be the reason that I'm having visions during the day. Sam then asks if his ability started six or seven months ago out of the blue. And Max asks how he knows that. And Sam says that's when his started. Sam also says that they were chosen for something, and Max asks for what? But Sammy doesn't have the answers to everything, so he just says he doesn't know. He follows up with that they're trying to hunt for his, their mother's killer, and they can find answers, but he has to let them go, including his stepmom. Max then shakes his head and says, No, what they did to me, I still have nightmares. I'm still scared all the time. Like I'm just waiting for the next beating. I'm, and I'm just tired of being scared. If I do this, it will all be over. Sam tries to tell him that this won't make the nightmare go away. Max then pushes Sam into a closet with his mind and then pushes a piece of furniture in front of it. Upstairs, Dean is cleaning up Alice's wounds when the door opens, but no one is there. Max then throws Dean against the wall and pulls out Dean's gun. The CGI in this episode fucking sucks. They wasted it all on the bees. Anyways, he cocks it while it floats and points it at Alice, and Dean tells him that if he wants to kill her, he has to go through him first. Max says, okay, and shoots Dean in the head. But then we cut down to Sam, who is actually having a vision of this happening upstairs. Sam then screams no, and the thing in front of the closet door moves. It freaks him out for a second, and he opens the closet door. And we cut upstairs to see the same thing we just saw, but Sam busts down the door before he shoots, saying, no, don't. Sam tells him that what he's doing isn't the solution and won't fix anything. Max says that he is right. And well, trigger warning, he shoots himself. We cut to later during the police interview, Alice is telling the cops that Max attacked her and threatened her with a gun. The cop asks where Max got the gun, and Alice says she doesn't know. He showed up with it. Sam and Dean leave the room, and Sam starts to blame himself. Dean tells him to stop, and Sam says that they're lucky they had Dad, and Dean is surprised by the statement. Sam then goes off saying their life could have been more like Max's, and Dad... Uh, and Dad... <laughs> and Dean doesn't let Sammy see that his life... was was like Max's. Cutting back to the motel, Sam is loading up and he comes back inside and asks Dean why why would this demon or whatever it is kill mom and Jessica again Jessica and Max's mom? What does it want? And Dean says he doesn't know. Sam suggests that it was after him and Max. Dean asks why he would think that and Sam says, I mean telekinesis or premonitions, we both had abilities, you know? Maybe it was after us for some reason. Dean says, Sam, if it wanted you, it would have taken you, okay? This is not your fault. It's not about you. Sam then asks, what is it about? Dean says that it's just about that damn thing that did this to our family. The thing that we're going to find and the thing that we're going to kill and that's all. Sam says, actually, there's uh, something else too. 
When Mac locked me in that closet with the big cabinet against the door, I moved it. Dean says that he has more upper body body strength than he gave him credit for. Sam then says, no, man, I moved it like Mac. Dean picks up a spoon and tells Sam to bend it, and Sam tells him that he can't just turn it on and off. Sam also explains it's as a freak adrenaline thing. Sam then asks Dean if he's worried at all, and Dean says, no way, you know why. You have one advantage that Max didn't have. And Sam asks, Dad? Because Dad isn't here. And Dean says, no, me. As long as I'm around, nothing bad's going to happen to you. Being the jokester that he is, Dean says that he knows what they're going to do about his premonitions, where they need to go next. Innocently, Sam asks, where? And Dean says, Vegas. Then they leave the the motel, and Dean closes the door as the episode ends. My final thoughts, um, so I think I figured it out. Dean is definitely in denial about their childhood, but it's not so much that he's pissed at Sam for making it all about him and not about the both of them. I'm also surprised that Dean didn't call John at all throughout this episode. The main thing I wanted to talk about this and talk about is we all know why Yellow Eyes killed Mary that night and can assume why he killed Max's mom too. They happened to walk into the room and see what he was doing, so he had to get rid of the evidence. But if Lucifer's vessel has to be a sibling of Michael's vessel, why did Yellow Eyes even bother with Max? Also, this is another thought but Gabriel's an archangel right so wouldn't his vessel also have to be a sibling like the other two like listen Adam would stay Michael Sam gets Lucy but Dean would be Gabriel because Dean thinks he's funny and has trickster energy now I am uncomfortable with this choice because Winsust is gross and we all ship Gabe and Sam um but it's got to be this way sorry um in a way you could say um, you know, I fucked that up. Uh, that's not how I wanted, I didn't want to do that part yet. Um, so thanks for listening. And next up on From an Ex Supernatural Fan, we will head to Minnesota in episode 15 of season one titled The Benders, as well as meet up with an old friend in season one, episode 16 titled Shadow. Um, thanks for listening and make sure to follow us on Tumblr at From an Ex Fan where I sometimes live post as I'm watching episodes. So sometimes I say the same things. Most of the time, though, I think it just ends up being about the 100. Um, For some reason, whenever I was watching these episodes, I made all my posts on my main account. And then whenever I was watching um, Scream, I made them all on my Scream account. But I guess, in a way, you could say that they were just hunting for brotherly love.